yeah, we are watching You're the Worst. It's so good. It's so funny. I'm glad you're rewatching it because I'm rewatching it and having. Well, you're watching it for the first time. I'm rewatching it. It's so good. It's so funny. And like, it's like we were talking about like the clothes, like everything she wears. I'm just like, ugh, ugh, what a time to be alive. I feel like I'm like, oh, it's such a good show. I think I've only watched the first two seasons. I've got three seasons to watch that I've never seen. So I can't believe it was on for so long. Like, it's crazy when like, because I've always known it was like, I knew about it, obviously. Like, I would see the posters for it and stuff around the say like, you're the worst. But then you just kind of forget and you're like, oh, my God, it was on for like five years. So I think it went from FX to FXX. And I I don't think everyone yeah. gets that channel. And the, I don't I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Which honestly is a really good segue uh, to this episode. I don't know what's happening. This is just, first of all, it makes Russian people seem so dramatic. I thought they were a stoic, calm people, like very much unbothered. This, this is just like a bunch of drama queens. They are all highly bothered this entire episode and now i'm highly bothered because it's a lot it's another episode of oversharing too so if you'll harken back to oh god now i I can't ever do i I can't ever look back i never stocks and bondages bondages. (laughs) it's like that times 20 billion it is stocks and bondage spiritual successor but it's more so they gave us two really devastating plot lines in a row. And then they were like, you know what? We need something hilarious. And they gave us something hilarious. It was ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's full on bonkers. Well, what are we talking about today? We're talking about season one of Law & Order SVU, episode 12, and it's called Russian Love Poem. Ugh. Original air date, January 21st, 2000. And it's directed by Rick Rosenthal. He previously directed Or Just Look Like One. Opening scene, um... A mother and a daughter, uh, and these two people are Deborah Rush of Strangers with Candy fame, and also many other things. And then the daughter is Allison Munn from What I Like About You. It's Tina. It's Tina. Oh my gosh. I was like, where do I know this girl from? And I looked it up. She's also Crazy Caroline on that 70s show, but we definitely know her more as Tina. Her comedic excellence and what I like about you. That show is just a frigging national treasure that very few people know about. Guys. When you're done watching this episode of SVU, because you're totally going to want to do that once you listen to this episode, go rewatch What I Like About You. It's so good. Don't watch season one, though. I mean, the first season's still funny, but like the second uh, second season on is just like unhinged. It's so funny. I don't think Vince shows up until season two. And I remember not wanting Vince to be there at first. I always hate when they do that. They're like, oh, here's a new hot guy. And then Vince ended up being fucking hilarious as well. Like they just made... They just made everybody ridiculous at one point. They're like, you know what? We're just going to throw all scruples out the window, please. So we're just going to make everyone unhinged, much like this episode. I mean, it starts off wild. Like Paige said, these two women are walking up the stairs, an older woman and a teenager. And the older woman's calling for Andrew. She's like, Andrew, Andrew. And then she goes, are you out whoring? And the daughter's like, mommy, please. What have we stumbled into? <laughs> what is this? The, and it's such a massive home where they live. This is like a 50-story brownstone. Yeah, they're like ascending their marble staircase as she calls out for Andrew and his whores. Are you out whoring? They get to the landing and then they look in this room and all of a sudden the teenager goes, no, daddy, and runs into this room where this nude man is strapped up in a chair with some bondage gear on the daughter's all upset and the mom looks kind of she's like she's shocked but she's also kind of like oh god what now (laughs) she's not wrong to feel that way this is a tuesday for her i think if he had been responsive she wouldn't have been you know obviously he was something was wrong i don't know dun 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 we're still in the brownstone but now benson stabler and csi show up benson is speaking to mrs harlan wife of the well the dead man this guy's dead They were coming back from the Hamptons, and they dropped her son off at his loft in Tribeca uh, before coming back home. So that's where they were while this was happening. Stabler is speaking to the daughter, because obviously. Of course. Of course, it's a daughter. And she's explaining to Stabler that she was with her mom the whole weekend. She calls her mom a bitch. Then she explains that her dad wanted a divorce. She didn't. She likes being Mrs. Andrew Harlan. Cut back to Olivia. Olivia's asking Mrs. Harlan if there's anyone who would want to hurt Andrew. She's a little unhinged. She's like, oh, yeah, dance is over to where she picks up this weird picture frame. Like, what the fuck was this? Yeah, starting with the picture frame, what the fuck? 
So it like flips between pictures and it's not one of those digital picture frames that we have now. Like literally she's like pushing a button and different pictures are sliding down and it's Andrew with all these different dudes. They land. So she's going through these pictures, Mrs. Harlan is, and she lands on one and it's a picture of Mr. Harlan and this like muscular blonde man and they're kind of like staring at each other and she goes, oh, I recognize him. He used to deliver us pizza until he just delivered. Yeah. And then I realized I... That I had kind of lost the train of thought of the conversation. Olivia asked if there's anyone she thinks could have done this. And instead, Mrs. Harlan, she's not even really saying she thinks that guy did it. She was just kind of being like, oh, I recognize this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a picture frame below all these guys in your... What? So it's like none of the other guys who just like... She's like, I don't recognize that one or that one or that one. Here, I recognize this guy. Maybe he killed him. It's like, what? That's not the first time we're going to say what in this episode. We're going to say it every five minutes. So Olivia's like, is your husband gay? She's like, what's more than gay? He was continuously orgasmic. And he would have had sex with a plant. So Olivia looks appropriately nonplussed. She's like, uh. Because you could tell she's so fed up with like the stuff she has to do with this job. Yeah, she looks at her. She's got this like face. She goes, do you know why someone would have sodomized your husband with a banana? This whole episode is bananas. <laughs> so this shit is bananas, literally. A N A N A S. So Mrs. Hines says her husband was allergic to bananas. Now she's kind of laugh crying at this point. She clearly didn't like this guy, but she's also like sad he's dead. I guess, and it's also it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, and we're not even there. Um, and then she says she needs to call her son Adam. So then, dun dun, we go to the station. The gang is discussing the case, and Munch is, Munch is highly disturbed by the banana portion. He basically, he's like, they didn't need to shove a banana up there. That's just rude. Cassidy is super distracted. He's looking at the picture of the one man Mrs. Harlan could identify, and he's like, I know this guy. I know him. Do we go to school together? He's off in La La Land by himself, having this one-sided conversation with the picture frame. Craig and he's talk yelling again. Is this premeditated or a sex game gone wrong? And why are we so positive that the wife didn't do it? He's at a 10, as he should be for this entire episode. He's confused throughout and very frustrated, as he should be. Stabler says Christina Harlan, who's the wife, uh, had an alibi. He doesn't think that the daughter would lie to protect her, um, since she just fucking, like, trauma dumped on him as soon as, she got, as, soon as he arrived. <laughs> yeah, they kind of mentioned that the Harlans seem like an open book, which they are. Jeffrey just rolls up and she says she knows why Mrs. Harlan is in such a good mood. And I'm like, was she? She was like crying and laughing. But basically, she and the children get to split all the assets, which currently stand at over $100 million. What the fuck does Andrew do for work? They never mention it, I don't think. I mean, he doesn't seem to be working very much. How does he have time to work? But <laughs> I know. He's literally what? gallivanting around, as you will hear. Just gallivanting around. It doesn't sound like he works. So Stabler and Benson again say that they don't think Christina's responsible because she wasn't holding anything back and uh, she was speaking she was speaking very genuinely to them. Cragen is pissed that no one agrees with him. He's like, fine. Well, and he sends Jeffries out to check on Harlan's bills and stuff, and then he sends BNS to go talk to the son Adam. Da-den. We are at the apartment of Bulldozer. Let the circus begin. Munchity is following a buff man out of his apartment. He is shirtless. He's wearing a leather vest, leather pants, maybe black leather fry boots. It's all a choice. He's so hot, though. I'm sorry. He's, oh, he's really he's hot. He's very hot. <laughs> oh, this guy is a built. He looks like a Chippendales dancer. Nick Carter hair, you know, like that long kind of blonde, mm. like over your face hair. Oh, he fuck me up with that hair. I fucking love that hair. So Cassie is yammering on to this guy that he knows him from somewhere. And the guy's like, I, I don't know you, dude. He goes, I'd remember. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, bulldozer. Mr. Dozer says maybe he recognizes him from his commercials. His banana spot is still running. And if your ears are pricking up and you're wondering if there is a connection between Mr. Dozer and the banana found inside Mr. Harlan, there's not. No. He's he's just a a banana model. Yeah, these writers just kind of liked... They just wanted to keep saying banana, I guess. Maybe one of them learned how to spell it recently and they were like, I got to test this out. <laughs> I'm just going to keep typing banana in the script. 
So Munch asks um, what Bulldozer's real name is, and he says, Bulldozer is my real stage name. And for some reason, Munch just lets it go. I loved his delivery. He goes, that is my real stage name. It is. Okay. Okay. (laughs) His end goal is to get into porn. He gives them his headshot. So Cassidy asks Bull, I'm going to call him Bull, why he and Mr. Harlan stopped seeing each other. And Bull says that Harlan stopped paying for their dates and they only wanted to have sex. Uh, Bulldozer knows his worth. Oh, he does. And he's like, listen, we're both tops. That's not going to work out. Uh, So Cassidy asks if Harlan gave him any presents and Bull shows him some bondage gear that Harlan lent him so that he could practice with it. Dun dun. Apartment of Adam Harlan. So this is the son. And oh, by the way, I I knew I'd forget. It's Monday. So again, this crime happened on a Sunday because the squad needs their rest. So he tells BNS that he was with his mother and sister in three hours worth of traffic on the way back from the Hamptons the night his father died. So they ask Adam how his relationship was with his father, and Adam tells them that Mr. Harlan had a bad habit of sleeping with all of Adam's girlfriends. Libby's like, tell me more. He's like, there's nothing to say. He touched them. I dumped them. I'm sure you did. He says it kind of like, yeah, I'm a badass. I dumped them after they fucked my dad. It's like, yeah. I know. I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's like kind of like a basic... uh tenant of relationships i dumped their asses after they fucked my dad it's like well <laughs> you're not oh, good job buddy i'm proud of you what an alpha move so they ask about his most recent girlfriend slash shared girlfriend as stabler said and adam gives them becky Sorensen's name and she's an artist who lives in noho of course she is well dun dun we meet becky Sorensen. uh she's basically a blonde laney boggs yes she's very pretty but she's got Paint on her overalls. They meet her as she's like carrying out a very large canvas piece that looks like a ripoff of Georgia O'Keeffe. I thought that as well. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so we get it. You're trying to paint labias into lilacs. So Becky is played by Melissa Sage Miller. And in 10 years, she's going to return as the very forgettable ADA Jillian Hardwick. Right. I knew she looked familiar. I love when they do that. When she darkens her hair, she basically looks like Kim Graylick. So that I forgot they were two people, honestly. She does, she does well in this role because I hate her. She's very annoying. Becky tells him that Adam was small-minded and immature, okay? But then she gets aroused, positively aroused, when they ask about Mr. Harlan, whose name is Andrew. Adam was small-minded, and they're like, and daddy? And she goes, nothing small about daddy. Kind of rants about his sexual prowess. Um, ew. This little thing between her and Andrew runs its course. I guess he has a short attention span. Their thing lasted two weeks. So I'm like, that's really short. Yeah, because she does say to them, they're like, oh, your relationship? She goes, no, 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 no. She goes, he didn't do relationships. But then why does he have several pictures of men he's dated? I think he just didn't want a serious relationship with Becky. Whoa! <laughs> he was like, yeah, I have a really short attention span. She was like, oh, okay. And because we're going to find out he's got lots of girlfriends and boyfriends. It's just not Becky. Maybe he just wanted to piss his son off so he would just fuck her, his girlfriends. <laughs> so Benson shows her the photos of Harlan and the different men. Um, and again, if I were Becky, I'd be like, oh, he never wanted to take a picture of me. Uh, but Becky recognizes one guy and his name is Charlie Poe. And he's a sea captain whose boat, she says we chartered it a bunch of times. And I'm like, what, you and you and Adam, you and Andrew Harlan? You and Andrew in the two weeks? Right, like you guys. <laughs> what? When? <laughs> Taking his son's girlfriend to his side pieces boat to charter <laughs> the chaos of this he man is a dog dun dun and i wrote probably the hudson river because they're by a body of water now so uh we're with the aforementioned charlie poe who immediately reflects what becky says he's like yeah harlan charted the boat a few times and stabler's like we know you had a sexual relationship so charlie poe's like trump card here's a picture of my family i'm straight Olivia whips out her own picture and she's like, you guys make a great couple and I've got more. You're not wearing clothes in the other ones. He's like, uh. (laughs) I I, I never did anything. And he says that Andrew paid him for sex so that because like private schools in New York are expensive, which is true. Uh, So basically they had a kind of a deal where this guy would sleep with Andrew sometimes and Andrew would give him a bunch of money for his kids' schools. So Charlie goes to walk away because he's like, that's that on that. And Stabler yells, how often did you two fellas tie each other up? And there's like this like little like, per- I don't know what to call him, like a little captain's assistant. I don't know if I can crew member who's just kind of like lurking over the guy's shoulder. And he goes, I said I was going to do physical comedy. The guy makes a face. 
they ask that he comes back and it's kind of like, okay, what, what, what? And they ask if Harlan ever tied Charlie up and he gets excited <laughs> and he starts telling them about how Harlan liked to keep him still. And he goes, and I'm very ticklish, you see. And Harlan didn't like when I would move around. Overshare number one or three at this point. I'm trying to oh, count. Yeah. Olivia like cuts him off in the middle of his little diatribe about how ticklish he is. And he's like, uh, do you know about any of the other guys? And he's like, what other guys? I'm the only one. This is the first time for both of us. And, and Stabler just kind of looks at him and kind of gives him a little head shake like, nobody. No. <laughs> Dun -dun. Station. So BNS looks so tired already. I do not care for Olivia's hairstyle here. I just have to say. She has it tied back in almost like a mini half ponytail or like clipped back. It looks like she's got a bunch of those little butterfly clips in it. They're not butterfly clips, but it looks like, you know how back in the day we used to like twist pieces and like pull them back and then clip them in place with tiny clips and it was fashion? Yeah, so that's what she did. And I don't like it. So they say they tell kind of everybody. It's like it's that one of those scenes where everyone's in the room with them that they couldn't find anybody who, quote, fit the mode like fit fit <laughs> and no one had any motives or breakups no one was really pissed off about this i guess everyone they talked to so munch has a list of purchases harlan made and apparently he spent a lot of money on lingerie and munch says this guy was truly horny so jeffries is here suddenly and she bears the news that a fingerprint was found in the study belongs to a sonia petrovich she came to the States three years ago from russia and she reads off the profession listed but it's like a russian word and Munch is like, every sailor in America knows that's Russian for sex worker. But that's not what he says. They say the words, trigger warning, whore, slut, bitch, hooker, whore, like several times. Parting note on the scene, Monique was sans a vest. She was in like a blue short sleeve t-shirt. Yeah. I didn't know she owned any t-shirts. It happened a couple times in this episode too. Like every time we see her, she is sans vest. And I'm like, what happened? Did the wardrobe girl forget the vests? Dun dun. Turkish baths. This place exists. Let's go. This hot guy with a puka shell necklace is in charge of the Turkish baths. I thought he was hot. Sorry, I should have asked. Do you think he's hot? No. Oh, Brittany. Well, his hair is like... In a braid. Yeah, I didn't like it. I thought he was funny, though. He makes BNS take their shoes off and he walks them through the spa. So he says that Sony used to work for him there, but that she met a man named Victor. And he owns this very fancy highbrow spa called Ecstasy in Manhattan. So she fell in love with Victor and quit uh, this spa to be with him, the Turkish bath to be with Victor. So he's salty. Uh, he gave her a good job and she left him for Victor. So they ask him if Sonia is in sex work. And he's like, oh, yeah, whores in Russia are different than hookers in America. In Russia, they're at the top of the social scene and everyone respects them. They rarely fall in love, unlike American girls. Is this true? I, it's like Amsterdam. Isn't sex worker, aren't sex workers in Amsterdam considered like, like they consider it a real profession the way we kind of just started considering it? That's true in Amsterdam, but sex work is illegal in, in Russia. I did look that up because I was like, oh, is it some sort of sex work haven? Not from what I can tell. They're apparently like the cool girls. These They call them whores. I kid you not. And he says that, Amer yeah, American girls fall in love way too easy. True. Now they've walked into a room where there's an older man sitting in a hot tub being tended to by two young women. There's also a, a violinist. It's a whole scene. Stabler goes, hey, I think I know that guy. And then the Russian guy goes, yes, he's very good businessman. A wink, wink. A wink, wink. But I guess it doesn't matter because we've left. We're leaving here. We're leaving. Having learned basically nothing. That guy kind of overshares too because he just started going on about how he was like, ugh, like Sonia left me for that guy, Victor. I never thought she was like those other girls falling in love like a whore. And then they're like, what? And that's when he starts being like, oh no, I mean that in a good way. Do we ever meet Victor? We never meet Victor or Yuri, Brittany. And I'm like, what the fuck is this episode? This is just names. <laughs> so done, done. We go to Ecstasy Spa. So BNS asked the receptionist if they could speak with Sonia, but she doesn't work there anymore. Of course not. Why would she work there when we're investigating a crime? So she points them in the direction of one of Sonia's co-workers slash best friends, Natasha. And the receptionist tells Stabler he can't go. It's a girly club? I don't know. It's a girly spa. So Olivia goes and pulls Natasha from the room where she's doing her massage work or whatever. Then they go up to the roof where I think Stabler would have been allowed, but fuck him, I guess. And Olivia questions her about Sonia. Um, Natasha's like, oh, did her mafia boyfriend already screw her over? LOL. 
It's this guy, Yuri, who got her a singing job. Olivia asks if Natasha dated Victor, and Natasha's like, oh yeah, everyone dates him, that's how you get this job. And then Olivia asks if Sonia had an American boyfriend, maybe named Andrew Harlan? Maybe? 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 Is that so familiar? And Natasha's like, ah, maybe. But then she uses this time instead to air her grievances. So she and Natasha went for an audition at this nightclub, and she's like, Sonia can't even fucking sing, but she's banging Yuri. Sorry, I can't even keep track of these people. So Sonia gets the job. I mean, it was a smart move, but it is shitty to do. Like, I wouldn't do that to you. I would probably do that to like someone I didn't like so much. Like if I was like, I really want this job, I might just do it. Paige was like, don't make me sing, but make me sing. I'm don't not make a nightclub. Me sing. <laughs> that was that was Sonia. Sonia's like, don't make me sing, Yuri. Oh, I guess I'll sing for you. Oh, can I can have this job. Cool. So yeah, I said Sonia fucking sucks in my nose. She's not a girl's girl. None of these bitches are except Natasha. I know. She's like, I thought we were friends. We used to go down to Brighton Beach and get food, and they're like, cool, once again. The answers to questions nobody asked. So now we're gonna move to the Moscow restaurant in Brighton Beach. Paige, what the fuck is the deal with Brighton Beach? Because we're about to hear it mentioned. 50 more times. So Brighton Beach is like notorious, same with Coney Island, for Russian immigrants. They all move down there. Oh, okay. Interesting. BNS finds Sonia sick. Oh, I hate this bitch. And she seems very pleased with herself. She reminds me of Jan as Jasmine Winsong in the Threat Level Midnight episode of The Office when she's like, they call me Jasmine Winsong. But she's like singing Russian. So once this bitch is done singing, they figure out it's Sonia and they take her aside to another room. They ask her about Andrew Harlan. And she's like, Andrew, Andrew, I don't know an Andrew. And Olivia gives her a little refresher and she's like, yeah, you know, your fingerprints were found next to his body. Sonia's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just cleaned his house one time. His housekeeper needed a favor. She's like, oh, yeah, the housekeeper's name is Katya, but she's on vacation, so you can't talk to her. So Olivia asks how long she's been working at this club. She says just a few weeks. Her boyfriend got her the job. And Stabler's like, so you're a singing housekeeper with a connected boyfriend? She's like, yeah. She's being very like kind of, I don't, I don't know if coy is the right word, but she's kind of like every question they ask, she's like, oh, I don't know. Mm, I'm not sure. And she's kind of like being, like being super like laying it on thick, like sexy flirty. She keeps like eye fucking stabler a little bit. Olivia hates this whole episode because everyone's just <laughs> eye fucking stabler the entire time. So finally, they ask, they ask her if Katya, the maid, ever slept with Harlan and Sonia goes, I can't remember. And then there's like a pause. And then Benson goes, all right, stand up and turn around. <laughs> and she's like, once, I don't know, I think. She drops it immediately. She's like, once, once, I don't know. Stabler gives her his card and he's like, you know what? Like, let us know when you figure out where Katya is. And Olivia leans in. She's like, bye tomorrow. Enough. Yeah, Olivia's having none of these bitches. Dun dun. Dun dun. <laughs> Station. So we enter on Cassidy saying, <sighs> I wonder what else she polished over there. And then he and Munch give each other like a two finger high five. Oh, yeah. It's like the lamest high five I've ever seen. They're just like, boop, gentlemen, please. Boys. And Jeffrey says, hey. And then she kind of like weirdly, it's like she's trying to defend them, but it's also kind of insulting. She's like, hey, sleeping with men is all they know. And that's how they get on top. Yeah, the gang has like a little chat about Russian views on sex and love and I don't know. I don't know either. That's true. Or just the writers had a little Cold War issues that they wanted to work out on this script. I don't know. I don't know. So then Jeffries gets a phone call and she gets off and she's like, oh, I just spoke with uh, Harlan's housekeeper. Basically, she's like, she doesn't work on weekends. She doesn't work late. And her name's not Katya. She's not Russian. And she's not on vacation. So basically everything Sonia just said, except there being someone named Katya, was a fucking lie. Benson and Stabler pull Sonia back in, and she's still claiming she knows nothing about this murder. And they're like, okay, well, why did you lie about Katya? And she makes a very vague statement about friends. Sometimes friends are all you have. What? She then goes on this bizarre rant? Rant? Diatribe? Speech? Pulls out a soapbox. She goes, maybe you don't understand my line of work, and I know you look down on it. I think it's more your personality sucks. I know. They want facts. They're like looking for facts and information. And Sonia is here to be like, 
What I do is forbidden. It's exciting. They are cheating on their wives. In this, it is sexy. I make them come alive again. I am their freedom, and that is delicious. Oh my god. <laughs> Benson and Stabler are just fucking staring at her. They're like, all right. Um, Sonia's like, my only commitment is to my friends, which honestly does not seem to be going well since so she no. fucked over Natasha. I was going to say, you're a bad friend, so you're bad at that job, too. She's like waltzing around the room, like caressing the walls. I fucking Stabler being like, it is delicious. So Stabler says, oh, like Katya. And then she goes, <laughs> she's like, I belong to a small community. They will know I talked. And they're like, OK, can you tell us where Katya lives? Um, can you tell us anything that like we would be helpful? And she's like, oh, she lives with her boyfriend. I live with my aunt because it affords me a certain and the living us freedom. So thank God, Cragen interrupts this fucking one-woman show, and he announces Emily Harlan, that's Andrew Harlan's daughter, is here to see Stabler. Of course she is. Of course she's here to see Stabler, because none of these women like other women. So they are sitting in what I now think of as the more relaxed interrogation room. There is a poster behind Emily's head that reads, You think you can't be raped, but a rapist doesn't care what you think. A chilling thought to be sure. What the fuck? Who are they preaching to? Every fucking woman I know on this planet is concerned about the possibility of a sexual assault. I think Cassidy might have made that poster. They're like, uh, Cassidy, could you have a poster? We need some wall art, but it needs to be informative. Something to do with SVU. He goes, yeah, I got a good one. <laughs> you think you can't be raped? <laughs> They're like, shit, have you seen like the poster Brian put up? We can't take it down. He's so sensitive. He admires it like every morning with his coffee. Women will be safer now. Fixed it. He's like, Olivia, did you see the poster I made? And she's like, yeah, Brian, that's great. Thanks, Brian. He's like, Olivia, why are you backing away slowly? Emily is telling Stabler that Harlan, this is okay. (laughs) No one should know this much about their dad. I know. She's telling him that Harlan loved being in love so much that he fell in love easily, which is a line if I ever heard one. Daddy, why do you cheat on mommy with everyone? Oh, well, honey, that's because daddy falls in love so easily. That's how much I love love. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Okay, I'm going to take that out into the world and (laughs) just be completely damaged by it. She should not be defending this stuff. Her Her dad was emotionally abusing her mother. Oh, yeah. Listen, I have no problem with people who want to have relations with as many people as they want. But you're married. You're lying to whatever the boat captain's name is and lying to Becky and (laughs) boning your son's girlfriend. It's just all a lot, dude. It's just a lot. And she's like so ready to defend him. She goes, no, he just like really loved love. Stabler asks if her mother knew about Harlan's affairs and Emily says that, yes, she did. And she didn't mind as long as it was just men. She did kind of seem to mind though when she was taking all those pictures out. She's like, I don't know him. I don't know him. Oh, this is the pizza delivery guy. I was like, where the fuck have you been, Stabler? Of course she knows. She opened the episode by asking if he was out whoring again. I know he didn't see that, but once she fell, once he fell in love with Katya, then their parents fought all the time. Yeah, I I bet they did. Apparently he had this secret drawer he told Emily about. So she brought the contents to the station like a snitch. Just kidding. I think he said, if anything ever happens to me, like whip out these documents. So Emily went through the papers and the only thing that seems like it might be relevant was there's some paperwork. She's like, a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, but I think I get the gist. Her dad was suing Katya for a lot of money and she thinks maybe this is why he died. And I'm like, probably, but it kind of turns out no. No, strangely enough, it's not. What the fuck? One thing that Emily says, and it's the first time we'll hear this very annoying repetitive statement, uh, is that her father said that Katya was very beautiful. Why are you telling your daughter how much more beautiful, like, this whole... Yeah, don't tell me about your girlfriends. Are you high? Throw the whole family out. Just take the whole, take all the Harlands, except for maybe Adam, and throw them out. I don't like Adam either. He's annoying. So, done, done. We're in Cragen's office. Cragen's still yelling. He's yelling, and he's like, he's suing her for two million? That's what I call a motive. It's like, take it down. Shh, you're scaring everyone. You're scaring little Briscoe. Marge isn't here anymore to remind you to take your blood pressure medication. So let's all remain calm. Yeah, apparently Harlan filed the lawsuit 
because she found out that Kachi was cheating on him in the apartment that he was paying for her to live in. Rude. So the day after Harlan was killed, Mrs. Harlan dropped the lawsuit. So Craig says it sounds like Katya and Mrs. Harlan were working together. Stabler says that Mrs. Harlan might know where Katya lives because Emily told him that she and Harlan would argue about him paying for Katya's apartment. Dun dun! So we're now at the Harlan home. I wrote home because that bitch is huge. I said residence because I was like, is this an apartment? can't be an apartment. I, don't- I didn't feel confident to say what it was. It looks like a fucking house. Christina and Adam are there. Again, Adam's the brother. She is gleeful. She's so excited. She gets to paint the walls red. So Benson asks why she didn't tell them about Katya slash the lawsuit before. She, Christina says that she thought they already knew about the lawsuit. And they suggest that she's covering for Katya. And she scoffs. And she's like, uh, maybe I was covering my humiliation at the fact that my husband had fallen in love with a Russian whore. Christina starts lecturing them on Russian whores. She's like, they're everywhere. They're sucking the men dry. I was like, is this a real thing women in New York were concerned about? What is happening? She goes, you've never heard of the Ultra Natashas? Or the Ultra ultra Natalias? Ultra Natashas. She never explains. I googled Ultra Natashas. I was like, all right, this is a thing. Nope. What is this? Yeah, I want to, I'm going to find a rich lady from, be like, were you here in 1999? Was this a problem? Yeah, we're like the Russian immigrants coming here and just like. Fucking all the men. Men. Um, she says that Katya is Russian slang for $100, which I did not know. Paige, I don't know anything anymore. We are not living in reality. Oh my god. Um, they ask if she knew Sonia, and she says, I'm sure there was a Sonia, and a Natasha, and an Irina. They're all whores, all little Russian sluts. And they're all little Russian sluts. So Benson and Stabler are trying desperately to get this train back on the track, and they're like, all right, where were you yesterday afternoon? Okay, this is why I don't like Adam. He goes, she drove me to a poetry convention. A poetry convention? <laughs> I miss What that. is that? What? There was a convention having solely to do with poetry? Apparently, Andrew was, he was paying 10 grand a month for her apartment. So they ask for the address and she tells them to check with her lawyer because the lawyer does have the address. Back at the station. Craigan's just, he, I don't know how he didn't drop dead at the end of this. He's just screaming the whole time. Dan Florick, at this time, is not the best at phone acting. He receives a call and he goes, hello? Slow down. What? Okay? Huh? 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 Then he gets up and runs into the bullpen. I spy red vines. Anyway, he summons Munch because apparently he can speak a little Russian. And there's a very upset Russian woman online too. Munch is so excited. He gets to show off this little skill. He kind of nods at him like, I'll take care of this. Da. And then he starts yelling. He's like, da, da, Russian, 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 Russian. And then he hangs up. I think he goes, da, and hangs up the phone. I think he says babushka, which I believe means grandmother, which is kind of crazy. He says that it was Sonia and that she's very upset and she's down in Brighton Beach. Uh, like, it's weird that she would call and speak in Russian when she knows English, but okay, writers. Dun, dun. So we're at Sonia's building down in Brighton Beach. Munchity, as I said, arrives. There's an old lady scrubbing the stairs and they see bloody footprints in the hallway leading to Sonia's apartment. I like how this like old lady's just like, oh yes, I clean strawberry jam upstairs. So Munchity spots these bloody footprints and they pull out their guns as they approach the door and they slowly open the door. It was left ajar and we discover Sonia and another woman dead on the floor. And it's like one of those scenes, it's, it's like out of a horror movie. And I don't even mean that like it's like out of a horror movie, but it is. But it's like their bodies are like right at the front of the door. They're kind of like haphazardly, like Sonia's facing like left and her aunt is facing like, and there's just blood everywhere. Oh, there is so much blood. Everywhere. Well, we're about to find out why. Yeah, well, there's an axe laying next to Sonia's head. Oh, shit, I missed that. Yeah, we, we find out why immediately. It was an axe murder. So they're outside the apartment now, and B and S are there, and a bunch of Cassidy are outside. They meet them. Cassie says, pretty ugly up there. Nothing like making love to a hatchet. And Munch has to clarify, it's not sex related. I know, because I was like, oh my god, did he, were there vaginas attacked with the axe? And Munch is like, no, Cassidy's just a fucking idiot. A uniformed officer brings over a man, a comedic kink, we're going to find out later. Um, He's apparently Sonia's cousin. He doesn't speak English. His pants are belted almost to his nipples. He just begins to speak as much translates. He owns a restaurant down the street and wants them to come 
chat with him. So they're at this restaurant now and the man is speaking Russian and Munch is translating. The other woman in the apartment with Sonia was Sonia's aunt and his cousin. Stabler asks if Sonia had any friends that she hung out with and the cousin randomly has a picture of Sonia and her friends yeah. <laughs> with him. They all pose for a picture together like a bunch of fucking weirdos. But in that picture is this lady Katya. Uh, and then he offers the borscht, and they're like, no, it's a fucking murder investigation. <laughs> We're not hungry. How could you eat borscht when you open a door and there's just two women covered in blood and borscht is literally blood colored? Yeah. Uh, so done, done. Back at the station, Kragen's telling them that Sonia sounded upset and scared on the phone. So then, my God, um, a man comes busting in through Kragen's office? Like there's a door that none of us know about. And it's like a door to the hallway or the outside. But the man comes in through Craigan's office. They're like, whoa, 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 what the hell? And they stop him. He goes, I need to speak to Benson and Stabler. He like whips out Benson and Stabler's card that they gave Sonya earlier, I think. Also, does it have both of their names on it? Like, do they have like a joint Benson and Stabler detectives at, at large on their on their card? If I were Kathy and that were true, do you know how fucking mad I would be? I'd be so fucking mad. Be like, oh, you got a little card with your girlfriend's name on it. Cool. Oh, Benson and Stabler. It sounds really good together. Hmm. They take this fucker to the scary interrogation room because he's scary. Yeah, he was. He ran in yelling. Paige, does he start talking about the case? Oh, no, he's he regales him with a really beautiful story that no one asked for about <laughs> how his father used to cheat on his mother right in front of her, but he was still a good man. And his father, his, his father fucked off to Siberia and his mother followed him because he was the love of her life. That's real love. Do you understand what real love is? He bellows that they need to leave Katya alone. And Olivia's like, we haven't even fucking found this bitch to talk to her yet. He's like, no need. I murdered him. And they're like, who? So he's like, Andrew Harlan. And Sibler's like, who are you? First of all. He's like, I'm Alexander Streetsoff or whatever the fuck his last name is. He was the one who arranged everything to get Katya over to America. And then he starts crying and he's like, she was like family to me. He is squeaking. He's like, I just love her so much. There are no tears, by the way. He's just yelling. And then he killed Harlan because he was causing Katya pain. Olivia's like, sir. He then tries to light a cigarette, which all these fucking Russians try to do in the, in the interrogation room. They're like, you can't do this. This is a government building. This man is erratic. He's like, anyway, no one will blame me. He deserved it. I shot him like a dog. They're like, he wasn't shot. He's like, whatever. It was me. I killed him. That's not the point. That's not the point. It doesn't matter how he was killed. The point is that I killed him. They're like, actually, we learned from one of the episodes that it actually really does They ask him if he knows he Sonia. Killed. He does. He's not crying now. Totally dried. He's off again. Of course. Of course I know Sonia. Sonia's great. Well, I don't know her. No, or not like that. But, and Olivia, who's trying to regain, regain some semblance of control over this stupid fucking conversation is like, did you know Sonia and her aunt were killed this morning? He's like, no, no, no. Who would do that? And they're like, oh. How tragic. Oh, my God. They're like, if someone would actually answer our fucking questions, we could maybe find out why. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. I didn't kill them, but I did kill Harmon. Arrest me. Arrest me. Arrest me. And then they leave the room and he's literally just yelling, arrest me. Kragen's outside. He's like, so let me guess. I, he didn't do it. They're like, well, no, they, they said he shot him. He was strangled. And we're like, oh, that's how he died. Okay. <laughs> This is the first time we're fucking learning how Andrew Harlan, the murder victim of this episode, met his untimely demise. They only just now tell us that he was strangled to death. The Emmy's at the opera and she won't answer their calls. So they're like, oh, yeah, we'll have to wait till the halfway through the episode to let the audience know how he died. So Cragen BNS surmised that Alex is in love with Katya, but she didn't reciprocate his feelings. So he might have killed Harlan on Katya's behalf, quote, to show his devotion to her. They're like. It's time to get to the bottom of this. We need to actually fucking talk to Katya like we've been trying to do for the last like four scenes. Oh, God. So done, done. We go to Katya's 10K a month apartment. This doorman must have talked to everyone else in the episode because he just starts spouting off at the mouth, telling BNS how beautiful, honest and generous Katya is. She's so beautiful. He's like, she is a beautiful girl. She is so nice and kind and a good tipper, too. So they show him a picture of Harland. He's like, I've seen him many times. Not in the last few weeks. This guy 
must have been on like ecstasy or something because he just fucking loves everybody. He's like, this guy, love him. Great tipper. They're like, can we go fucking talk to this bitch, Katya? He's like, she is not home. She left about an hour ago in a beautiful gown. And they're like, okay, well, which way did the cab go? He goes, a cab? She never takes a cab. Always a car service. Finally, finally, we track this bitch, Katya. I'm sorry, guys. No, dude, she's an asshole. Yeah. This girl's an asshole. She's a fucking asshole. Track her down to the fucking Peninsula Hotel. They recognize her. The beauty of both her face and gown has been exaggerated. She's a very pretty woman. I'm not trying to agree. I know. I thought I was waiting to I was waiting for an Emrata to turn around and be looking at me in the face. And I got I'm gonna say it, Brittany. I'm gonna say it. You and I are prettier than this woman. I know. And I defy any of you to slide into our DMs and argue with me. Because if you argue with me, you're calling us ugly. So go ahead. Bring it. Bring it. Do it. Do it. Fucking dare you to call me ugly, bitch. I will find you. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sagittarius has been disturbed from his slumber. How dare they make me think that this girl was going to be more beautiful than me. Finally, they approach her. She locks eyes with Stabler and she is delighted to make his acquaintance. Oh my God. So they're walking into another room with her and she grabs Taylor by the arm as they're walking and he goes, he asks her if she knew Harlan and she just goes, are you attracted to me? Do you want to make love to me? What kind of audacity? I mean, I have said similar things at a bar, but I was like, I was like three cocktails in and it was like the bartender was looking at me and I was like, hey. If I was single, I might try this at a bar. It'd be kind of funny. Just see what someone says to me if I do it. Sabler says, well, can you answer my question first, please? And she goes, only if you answer mine, this bitch. She's just simpering the entire time they try to ask her questions. They just go about in a little circle until finally he tells her Sonia's dead to rattle her. And she just has like a little frown. She's like, "Mm, I know. So sad. Anyway, Olivia's finally sick of her shit. And she's like, bitch, you need to come down to our station. And she playfully asks if she's under arrest. She's like, am I under arrest? And they're like, no. She's like, then I'm not coming with you. She's smart. That's So they tell her instead uh, that she needs to be down at the station by 9 a.m. the next day. And she goes, I am too busy. And she's just eye-fucking stabler. She tells Katya that she knows that she's illegal. They don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> that she's incurred, that she has undeclared income and that she receives a bunch of expensive gifts. But if she isn't at the station by 9 a.m. the next day, they will have immigration at her apartment by 9.05. And then Katya says something that's hilarious. She goes, this is America. You can't do that. Bitch, yes, they can. Mm. Ma'am, they will throw you in jail for doing nothing. Dun dun, we're back at the station. <laughs> and I've come to the conclusion that it feels like two different productions are happening here. We've got Benson and Stabler who are in a police procedural. Everyone else, in my opinion, is in some sort of Russian tragicomedy where they come in and like a Shakespearean production, they must do their monologue, much to the horror of Benson and Stabler. Because what the fuck happens here? It's the same shit. She literally, so she's in the room smoking again. She's just like snarky and smoking and they're like, stop smoking. And she goes, well, then I come back later because I can't talk without a cigarette. And she tries to leave and then Stabler takes her cigarette and puts it in his coffee, which just arouses her more. I don't know why he did something so sexy like that. He's got a Myrtle Beach mug, which makes me sad because I'm sure he got that on a sad vacation with his family and not a cool spring break type vacation with your friends like we did that one time. Woo! Spring break 2012. So he asks her if she knows Alexander and she says yes and that he's a very good man. They're like, okay, well, Alex confessed to Harlan's murder and she goes, oh, no, poor Alex. Such a bad temper. They're like, so why would he have done that? We don't think he did it. And then they tell her that her and Sonia's fingerprints are in the room. And she's like, "Mm, weird. I wear gloves. They're like, so you did it? She's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, because it was during sex. She didn't want to fuck up her nails. So she wore gloves. On that dumb harness thing that he made her fucking made everybody wear, apparently. She tells him that she dumped Harlan after she found him in bed with two men. And uh, after that, he filed the lawsuit because he was salty. They're both salty. It's like you both are bad people just being salty. She says the day that Harlan was killed that she and Sonia did go to his house, but they were only going there to tease him as light revenge for the cheating and suing her. 
Stabler asks why she brought Sonia, which she shouldn't have done because he get, leans kind of close. And she immediately like leans her head back on his arm. Oh, I know. She's like, sometimes we do threesome. Shouldn't have asked, Stabler. She goes, you should try it. It's like, how? don't assume that he hasn't. He hasn't, but don't assume. She goes, I am not lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when she heard about the threesome, she goes, two men. Nyet. Nyet. Okay. Homophobe. So blah, blah, blah. She says she's sleeping with Andrew as an investment so she could fall in love for real. Olivia's frustrated. I'm frustrated. She wants some real fucking answers, which no one in this episode is capable. And she's like, okay, like, where the fuck did you go after you teased Andrew? And she said that she went back to that fucking restaurant to watch Sonia sing. Stabler's like, are you the one who put the banana up his bum? And she's like, he was allergic to banana. But if that killed him, it was honest mistake. Um, no, some allergies are fatal. Not this time, apparently, but in general. Wouldn't the banana be crushed? Like, even if it was in the peel, you know, it, unless. It doesn't. Listeners, right? And if you, if you, we won't use your name, but uh, if you tried it. We digress. (laughs) Outside. Outside the room, Cragen is fuming. He has had enough. He's had enough. Everyone looks tired. Every time they flash to live in L, they just look like they're so tired. Cragen has enough energy for one last spiral. He's like, cabarets, spas, salons, rich boyfriends, hookers. What the hell are we talking about here, people? (laughs) Same, bitch. Same. What are we talking about? I don't even fucking know. It's like the writers were like writing themselves out of the hole. They're like, I feel like this audience is probably going to be having the same thought. We're just going to write it into the script because I really did feel that. I was like, oh my God, I've never felt so seen before. It's true. (laughs) Benson goes, everyone we've talked to describes Katya as a modern day Cleopatra. And then Stabler goes, but instead we got a Siberian Tammy Faye Baker. (laughs) So they're basically being like, "Um, Katya's kind of trash. Why would Harlan have picked her? Because he could have had literally anybody. It's true. Yeah, I was like, thank you. What the hell? And so that's when Stabler suggests that Harlan was kind of like an adrenaline junkie. He liked the extreme, you know, he goes, boyfriends, girlfriends, bananas. He's like, maybe Katya was dating somebody in the Russian mafia. And Harlan thought it would be like dangerous and sexy to like try to steal that guy, steal that girl. And I said that would be a stupid kink. Like, like, can you, what stupider kink would it be? Oh, you know, the Russian mob, not very dangerous. I've never heard anything terrible the Russian mob has ever done. Um, I'm just going to try to steal one of their girlfriends. Yeah, that'll keep me alive. So Cragen is like, fucking, I guess, go like, I go talk to the Russian mob, I guess. Olivia's been playing with a little cat toy the whole time. Like a toy of a cat. Don't know where she got that. Oh my God, you're so good at this stuff. Dun dun. They go back down to Yuri's restaurant where Sonya used to sing. And when they get there, they ask the bartender, they're like, hi, is Yuri here? And he just goes, poor Sonia. And they're like, Yuri, now, please. So a man walks up to them and he's like, would you like to join our table? And they're like, guess so. So he leads them to a table. The dude who's sitting there is the guy from the hot tub earlier. He still has like the two girls. They may be different. They may be the same. So then... The guy asks Olivia if she'd like to dance. And she's like, no. And he's like, all right, well, you have to stay here. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, it's her turn to be told. So Stabler approaches the hot tub mafia guy and he just starts lamenting about Sonia. And Stabler's like, how'd you know we wanted to talk about Sonia? Um, Stabler, maybe he knew you were coming to talk about Sonia because there hasn't been a lot of axe murders on Brighton Beach this week. That's very true. Fucking one of my employees just got axe murdered. I think maybe that's why the cops show up to my fucking bar. I digress. He doesn't say any of that. We've got another one because he just starts prattling on about how much his wife was a singer and liked that Sonia sang and Stabler's like, where is this going? So then the mobster says that Sonia always chose the wrong man. He says like Alex, he goes, you know, such as Alex. And he said that Alex was, they tried to give Alex a chance, but he would make these unnecessary bad choices. It sounds like the guy, and Stabler does say this, he goes, are you telling me that Alex had something to do with this? And the guy's like, um, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just a guy who works at a travel agency. (laughs) He's like, I'm simple, man. I work for airline. This is all I know. So I'm guessing Alex might have told them. I don't know. But he's basically being like, yeah, um, look at Alex. Done, done. Good Lord, we're back to the Brighton Beach boardwalk. <laughs> nothing, nothing good can come of this. This scene. 
Um, so Munch and D are leaving the restaurant. They were speaking to a waitress and they hear someone yelling to them from across the street. going like, eh, eh, eh. It's Sonia's cousin. He looks shit-faced and he is speaking English. Munch walks up to him. He goes, you're trying to piss me off. And he goes, oh, because I'm drunk. Which it probably was making our friend Cassidy very upset. We know he doesn't like people drinking or smoking. The cousin says that he, when he's drunk, he could speak any language. And I was like, this is becoming Lynchian. They're like, okay, just tell us what you know. Everyone's had enough. Everyone's like, God, the shenanigans. And he goes, I know a lot. He starts to spill his guts. And he says that the day Sonia was killed, I guess he was going up to the apartment and he was listening outside. And he said he heard yelling in the apartment and he thought it was Sonia and Alex having sex. He goes, you know, spanking like usual. I like. I get a nosebleed from all the way in Midtown because I did not see this coming. Yeah, like what? So you like listening to your cousin get getting banged out? Railed? Yeah, like What? So Munch is basically like Alex, like the Alex we know from the station. He's like, don't interrupt me. Then he heard yelling and then murder sounds. You killed her. They're like, Alex, yes, don't interrupt. And then he tells them they're stupider than his ass. He like pats himself on the butt and he laughs his ass off, yells some more and they leave. He actually, no, he yells some more and then he leaves. They don't even try to stop him. He's like, go listen to my other cousins have sex now, I guess. Ugh, done, done. So we're back at the station and Stabler, Katya's still there, same day. Stabler tells Katya that they think Alex is the one who killed Sonia and possibly Harlan. And she's like, so? And then he asks if she knows that Sonia and Alex were sleeping together. And she goes, maybe they were. Maybe she was not as good as I am in bed, but that is no reason to kill her, no? I mean, that's true. That would not be a good enough reason. Olivia, I think we've said has had enough many times. She's reached a new level of enough because she's like, Stabler, get the fuck out of here. This chick can't answer a question without trying to I fuck the shit out of you. So get out. Go. You're too distracting. So she gets Stabler out of there. She sits Katya down woman to woman. She's like, look, I know you're not stupid. We can easily convict you for this. There's nothing stopping us from getting from just fucking convicting you and saying we're done with all you Russian people. So help us get Alex. And Katya makes a fucking speech again she's basically too afraid to get involved um and she basically says it's like really cutthroat in there she keeps telling her that she's busy too like every time she's like help us she's like i'm busy so she tells katya that she sleeps with men for money because finally she's like ready to do some like actual insulting and katya is like you should sleep with men more so you'd be less of a bitch apparently katya has never slept with brian cassidy because you Sleeping with more people for Olivia would be more problems. Yeah, no, she doesn't want more problems. You want all the smoke and all the problems. Yeah, and that's what Olivia's like. I catch murderers for a living, which is kind of true, but not really. You're not busy. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm busy. I am busy. I'm busy all the time. It's like, we're doing what? Nothing. Then she says that American prisons aren't so different from Russian prisons, you know. There's no champagne, no caviar. And then Katya goes, I don't believe you. Which I think was supposed to be that she doesn't believe that she could be found guilty. But it kind of sounded like she was saying, I don't believe you. There are champagne and caviars in prison. So then Olivia goes, fine, we'll do it your way. And she starts to pick her up. She goes, you're under arrest. And Katya's like, fine, fine, I do it. She's like, I do it one last time. I'm in the mood for horseradish vodka. And Olivia's like, what? She literally goes, what? She goes, oh, yeah, at Alex's favorite restaurant, my drink of choice is horseradish vodka. She just needs to flirt with everybody, I guess, this lady. Just more oversharing. So done, done. We are back at the Moscow restaurant. Katya is in there and she's flirting with Alex. She's mic'd up. She, in Russian, she's flirting with him and trying to get him to, like, kind of come clean about this. Bensler and Munch are outside in the van and they're listening to Katya's mic and Munch is translating. Katya's saying things to Alex like that he must have really loved her to have killed Andrew Harlan the way he did. So Alex apparently catches on at this point and he starts yelling at her in Russian and the squad's like, oh my god, no, we gotta get in there. Like, let's move out. Run into the restaurant and Alex has a gun, but he's not pointing it at anybody. And at any time they could have shot him in the shoulder and solved this entire problem. But they don't. They let this play out. They let him go on yet another ridiculous little diatribe and so he does something very annoying he expends all the bullets except for one he turns it on himself in a game of russian roulette get it guys because they're russian they're people russian ha, ha, ha. why not sure let's just waste more time so he goes i'm going to tell you a russian love poem <laughs> jesus 
Yes, like the title. Uh, and then he just goes on about how he was in love with Katya and totally devoted to her. He wanted to marry her and she repaid him in disrespect because she didn't want to keep fucking him, just like she said earlier. She said, she goes, he's just mad and he goes, that I don't want to keep fucking him. <laughs> so he admits he went into Andrew's home after the girls left their little teasing session and strangled him with a rope. As he's telling the story, he's periodically pulling the trigger. It's supposed to be high tension. It's more like high comedy. It's very I'm funny. I'm so sick of all these people. Basically, he did all of this because Katya wouldn't be with him anymore. He ended up telling Sonia about killing Harlan. He then knew that Sonia called the cops right after, and she was planning on, you know, confessing. So that's why he went over to Sonia's. He sent the aunt on an errand to the store, and he killed Sonia with an axe. The aunt came back early because the store was closed, and then he had to kill her with an axe too. He said it was easy to kill Sonia, though, because he didn't love her. Good to know. And he's like, and I've been so lucky. I've lucked out in life and I'm going to luck out again. And he pulls the trigger and shoots himself in the chest and he's dead. Everyone seems very shocked by this turn of events. Kati's looking. She's like, oh, God. This is like the first time she's actually seemed to care that anyone's been dying around her. Even though people have been trying to warn her the whole time. Yeah, they're like, don't you care that like everyone's dying? And she's like, no, I am busy. So we cut back to the beach boardwalk. Benson and Stabler are standing by the beach looking shell-shocked. They're trying to come to terms with this entire episode. And they can't because this whole thing was fucking ludicrous. And finally, Stabler goes to Olivia. Let's go home. Which, you guys don't live together. I know, what? It's like wish, <laughs> wishful thinking. Benson says, some people consider death a blessing. This was no blessing. Stabler, what a mess. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Olivia, <laughs> it really was. And then Olivia goes, blowing people's heads off because of some vodka-induced third-rate notion of tragedy? Stabler, it's a load of crap. And for this, they come to America. Executive producer Dick Wolf. What a fucking episode, guys. They should have just ended on what a mess. I know, because it truly was what a fucking mess. It was just a fucking mess. So from an entertainment standpoint, this episode was hilarious. As an SVU episode, like, an, like a show that kind of prides itself on tackling real social issues. Huh. I felt bad for no one. I felt bad for Sonia's aunt. I didn't even feel bad for Sonia. I'm like, you were so no. annoying. I didn't even she care. She to Natasha. Right. She was not a girl's girl. The only person I feel bad for dying, I don't even care if Andrew Harlan died. Good. Oh, no, he was a shithead. He was an asshole. So yeah, um, just to sum it up. Sonia and Katya just went there. They played like a sex game with Andrew and then they put the banana up his bum and they planned to leave him there for his wife and daughter to find and humiliate him, which I'm sure I bet Mrs. Harlan would have loved it if he had been alive. She would have been like, oh my God, so funny. Those girls are hilarious. But because this crazy guy, Alex, was like just running around stalking Katya, he snuck in right after and killed him because Katya didn't want to have sex with him anymore. That is the whole motive, everybody. It truly makes no sense. Ridiculous. And the, the, this was what I thought was strange. The only thing that I'm like, huh, is that so when Alex went to the station and confessed, he really was confessing, but that he lied about how he did it. So it's like, what was your point? Was he trying to maybe frame Katya? Like make it. But he doesn't seem to be like smart enough to. Right. His motivation there was kind of unclear because it's like he was trying to save Katya, but then he didn't confessed to the right, you know, he didn't, He said he shot him and, and not strangled him, but then he ended up, he actually did do it. So I actually have a quote about this episode that's, so it's from Charles Engel, who was, is, probably not anymore because this book's old, uh, the executive vice president for programming of NBC Universal. Yes, I just said programming. In the first year and a half, one episode had a guy found tied up with a banana up his ass. That was a 180, 180 degrees from where we wanted to be. It was too sensationalist and not dealing with any issues. There was no value to it. We all remember that as the straw that broke the... This episode is the straw that broke the camel's back, but the network stuck with us and now SVU is a mega hit. So that sounds like they were going to pull the whole series because of this episode. I think it's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. This episode, to me, read more like a traditional police procedural that's more like on the entertainments. I mean, they're all for entertainment, but it's more like a CSI or like a Criminal Minds, um, any other police procedural, where it's very much about the shock and awe of getting the cops to 
kind of react to these like crazy scenarios. And it wasn't like he said, wasn't so much about the issues. Like I think Dick Wolf was very passionate about tackling like real world issues and uh, a man being found tied up with a banana up his bum isn't really a real world issue. No. I mean, listen, I liked it. I think I had a good time. Yeah. I'm having fun, but this isn't the show I know and love. You're right about that, what you said in the middle, where it felt like these like theater actors were inserted into a real SVU episode. It felt like they were working in two different worlds. Yeah, guys, I don't know. We enjoyed it, and we were excited to record this. It's just crazy. Paige, let's go home. Let's go home. All right, guys, we will see you next week for season one, episode 13, Disrobed. I can 99.9% promise you it is going to be nothing like Russian love poem. No, it sounds serious. (laughs) All right, squad. (laughs) Love you guys. Bye. Bye.